Aloha, everyone, and welcome to Aquarian Radio at AquarianRadio.com. And today is an episode of Tantra Talk, and I'm your host, Janet Carolesson, with my co-host, Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson, and our special guest today is Anita DeFrancesco, and we're going to talk about Tantra for everyone. And Anita is, um, has an MA in Modern Sex and Relationship Coach and is founder of Tantra Wisdom, and she's been leading workshops for 20 years in Los Angeles and Philadelphia. She's a somatic psychotherapist, Tantra Yoga Master, and author of Live Free, and her podcast is Mindfulness, Sexuality, and Relationships, and she currently resides in Philadelphia. And I have a page for Anita on AquarianRadio.com. Uh, let me pull on Dr. Sasha, and then I'll pull on Anita. Sweetheart, yeah. hi, yeah. welcome to the show. Hi, well, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Anita, oh, you're you really this- low. Really, can you um, talk into the phone a little bit better? Is any better? A little uh, bit, yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Anita's got an incredible Tantra Wisdom um, page on Facebook. And uh, what I get and, uh, in your approach is that you're really talking about what it takes to have successful relationships, full-on, all-the-way relationships. And that's what i like to hear from you uh, today on this show. Excellent. Hi, Anita. Oops, one second. Got to put the button on. One second. Hi, Anita. Hi, J- Welcome to Aquarius Hi, Radio Talker Talk. Talk. Hi, Janet and Sasha. Uh, it's really, really nice to talk to you both. I haven't seen you in years or even talked to you in years, but it's really nice to connect with you here today. Yeah, we're really uh, happy to be on a radio show together. So it's been years since we've last seen you. Uh, I'd like to begin by you talking to our listeners and tell them about yourself and about your work. Um, If you could mute when you're not talking, it might help with that feedback. We're getting some feedback. But go ahead and and tell us about yourself and your work. What shall I mute? Do you want me to mute something Um, here or no? On your phone, if you can mute quickly. If not, don't worry about it. We'll just work around the feedback. I'm not sure why we're getting feedback, though. But I have you earphones got. on. Should I take the earphones off? No, I think that's okay. I'm gonna While you're talking, I'm going to quickly close the door. Sasha, close the door between the two rooms. That might help with the feedback. Okay, so go ahead, Anita. Can, can, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I am uh, Anita DeFrancesco, and uh, I'm the founder of Tantra Wisdom. And uh, I came into to Tantra a, a v- many, many years ago. Uh, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, and the word Tantra came to me when I was just 20 years old uh, through a Swami, Swami Virato, who was uh, the founder of the New Frontier magazine in Philadelphia back in the 80s. And uh, I stumbled over that magazine and stumbled on the word Tantra. And he was one of my first people who enlightened me about what Tantra was. And so at that time, I, um, I um, started to look up the word and, and started to attend uh, different spiritual um, workshops that were happening at the time in Philadelphia. And... Um, it was it was it was uh, understandable. It was an under, it wasn't something I understood. I didn't know that it was a yoga at the time, and I hadn't really explored that much yoga at that point in my life. I was just twenty, and I hadn't even moved to LA yet. So once I got to Los Angeles, is really where things surfaced for me because that's the mecca of a lot of the different spiritual trainings and things that I've received over the years. But when I discovered the word tantra, I just felt so connected to it. And it was something that I knew that I had to go on a path. But initially, that wasn't the path. Yeah, and initially, when I started to study, well, it wasn't really that I studied in Philadelphia because there wasn't anything then and at that time. And I really wasn't in any loops of circles of people. I was very young. And 
But what I did was I embarked and moved to Los Angeles when I was able to get out and get away from my parents. And I started to study everything from breathing to movement to psychology. And all of these things were the makings of what Tantra really is about. It's really a, 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 a small word for a big thing called love. And how, and how we approach love and how we understand the success that our lives can have if we have proper balanced love. And this is really what I was after, love. And this is how my journey started. So I, I studied different things and then came into Tantra. And then at one point I made up the word Tantra wisdom because I just thought that, well, this is a wisdom to me. It's not sex it's not dirty it's not kinky it's it's a lot of different things but it's wisdom and wisdom is very important as far as love as far as anything goes as far as relationships go and I thought that um and that's when my whole um things started to open up for me in this world of of tantra but I also was uh, really a sick child when I was nine I had rheumatic heart disease, and possibly, uh, yeah, possibly the reason I got into this field uh, of healing is because my body hurt so much from swollen joints and having rheumatic fever and infections around the heart. Um, I I seeked out things that were for the body, and and then I, and I really found everything I wanted. You know, I mean, the moment I stepped my foot in Los Angeles, it just all came to me. And, uh, and, and um, so I thought that the heart was a very special organ, a very special chakra that kind of was not working or healed. And that was one of the chakras that I focused on in my past to heal my heart so that the love could surface again for me in my, my sickness and my family life. What do you think, what did you have to do to heal your heart? Well, what were some of the things um, you did? Well, some of the things, um, you know, I was in a hospital bed for six months. And I, I say that my, I didn't know the word Tantra at nine years old, but I say that's when it really began. My parents uh-huh. uh, were very much, my parents were very much in love, but they didn't know how to show it to each other. And there was so much friction in the household. I never wanted to be there. And I think that psychologically or subconsciously, I, I, I made myself get sick and I went away for a year. And, um, and I was in this hospital. And what I had to do in the bed, most of the time I did a lot of movement in the bed. You know, Joseph, you know Joseph Pilates, the, the man who invented Pilates, the exercise? He had the same disease. Yeah. And he invented, oh, he invented wow. Pilates. And, yes, and he invented Pilates in the bed while he was sick. Because with, with rheumatic fever, you're confined to a bed because of the fevers and the swollen joints. So you're really not uh-huh. allowed to get out of bed. But, yeah, so what I did was I did undulation and movement. I, I, I just played around with that kind of stuff. And, actually, I thought that the undulation in my pelvis went up to my heart and, and it healed me. It was the uh, sexual Probably energy. Did. And and it was amazing because children were dying around me. And uh, just like that, like one day you know them, and the next day they're being brought out in a body bag. And this was 1966 in Philadelphia when rheumatic fever was really a big disease then. But it was the heart. And to me it was my heart was in shock because the love in my household wasn't, wasn't really healthy. It wasn't healthy love. There was love, but it wasn't healthy. Did they yell at each other? Were they anybody a drinker? No, no. My parents, they were so in love, that that thin line of love and hate, that they hated each other because they were so in love. And I thought thought if they knew, yeah, they were so, they were twin flames. But I thought if they knew Tantra, they would have been able to understand how to Cherish and honor the space, you know, the honoring the sacred space and, and navigate around that center and their chakras. But they didn't have that kind of, you know, theory or education. And, but they were so in love that they hated each other so much that they couldn't stay together after 20 years. And it was wow. very hard because, yeah, yeah, because we grow up with people that, 
they're, they're each other's only love. They were each other's only love. And um, it was it was very hard for them because I'm, they just didn't understand how to communicate, for example. There was – the communication was so poor arguing, a lot of arguing, of course. Defensiveness, denial, you know, those, those kind of behaviors, which right. people are always nitpicking. And couples, you know, they do that. They nitpick. They, they pick arguments, and, and they bicker at each other. And for no reason, for things that can really make your love suffer. Mm-hmm. And so, so their love suffers. But I thought for some, some, some reason that I thought in my own self that I – I picked up on this. I was an empath, and I and I realized that my heart was in shock from this, actually, and and I I right. relate that whole experience to that. And then when I went to become a patient in this hospital, I became sort of transformed. It was an awakening because I they would sit me in ice every night, and I was just like a shaman at that age. To be honest, I mean it was. A, and that was why I, I that was the the awakening that got me on this path. That was the awakening. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Now, were you and the only child? Were there other children in your family? Yes, two two brothers and a sister. Where are you in the birth order? Uh, second. Okay, so you um, got second. out of there for about a year. Or did you say a year? That you were away from that family? Confined to a hospital. Because rheumatic fever, that's what they did then. They confined you right. in a home. They, they they schooled you and everything. And wow. that's what they did. They, school, they schooled me. And at that time, too, it was a real trying time in Philadelphia because um, at that time, I was the only white child amongst African Americans. And it was very culture shocking at, in 1966. So it was another challenge for me to have to open up my heart to people that weren't being loved in the world at that time. So it was wow. very, very challenging. Yes, because, you know, when you're in 1966, and especially Philadelphia, one of the most highly racial cities in the world, in, in the whole U.S., right. Philadelphia is, the, is the, uh, the culprit here, more so than New York. And and when you you know we when I went into that hospital and it was a shock for me but I I didn't care I was so sick I was dying and all I wanted was love so I turned to my hospital mates and and I I made them my best friends so that I could you know, exercise my heart muscle and love people and and I really believe that if you don't exercise your heart muscle and, and show love and compassion that that muscle there can really get sore. And 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 numb. Isn't that amazing? How you set that up on a higher soul level, and it's all perfect for your evolution. It's amazing. It, it is, and it just because when I when I went in there, and my parents couldn't visit me often because it was further away. This this hospital, and I didn't have anyone. And and the kids would like pick on me because really because I was white and they were black. And that's what society was doing to them. So it was a very trying time for me and fear, a lot of fear. But then I thought, I, I need friends. I, I want to love people. And I really engaged them. It was just like what something that I did that was like a miracle in a way that I really opened my heart to my own feelings so that I could love anybody around me so that I would heal because the love in my household was so was bad it was not it was not balanced it was a lot of arguing a lot of defense a lot of fighting and this is where i found my love among kids believe it or not they helped me heal wow. my heart what was the dynamics between you and your siblings well well um my older brother he because of this house this this trying trying life we had he, he ended up becoming a schizophrenic. So he's like, he totally tuned out. You know, everybody has their own way of dealing with pain, I guess. And um, um, I, uh, my younger sister and younger brother were just too, too much, a little bit younger than us. So we sort of, um, everybody's sort of in their own little bubble, so to speak. When I came home, I was different. And 
they couldn't really relate to me. I was like very different. I, I didn't have, even the kids at school, they looked at me like, who is she? You, you know, she, she wasn't with us for a whole year, like a new kid on the block. And uh, it was, it was challenging for me growing up because I felt very, it isolated me in, in one sense, but it also made me go into my higher power even stronger. And from that hospital awakening, I was already in the higher power. And, and that's the transformation that happened that when I went to the school, I was like not ordinary. And that was very difficult growing up that way. And, um, and my siblings couldn't really accept me, not that they didn't love me or anything. It's just that they were like, they would tease me. Oh, she's different. Oh, she's odd. You know, that kind of thing. I guess if you want to say black sheep, but I don't look at black sheep of the family. I was transformed and it was something new to them. It was not anything. And then when I got to LA, gosh, everyone's transformed and I was right in my bubble, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you know, there's the transformed people, you know, and there weren't any in my grade school at nine years old. Well, what do you expect? So, so, uh, yeah, they, they still see me as like different, you know? And, uh, but, I, you know, it, it just turned out to be a lot of wisdom that I um, endured at that time because I wanted to live. And that was the main thing, life. And if you're sick and dying and you're watching, at least six body bags went out while I was in there. Wow. And you, you think you're, yeah, you think you're going to die. And what do you do? I opened my heart to my feelings and I reached out to my, my hospital mates. And I engaged them into love, and we became really best friends after that. It was like when we got out of the hospital, we were all hanging out, you know. Wonderful, so was, wonderful. Um, That's yeah, amazing. So that, uh, Sasha just got back on. Let me just check his uh, mic, honey. Can you talk? Yes, is my phone working? Hello? Yes, it is. <laughs> Hi, oh. can you hear us? <laughs> yes, I, I, yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can. Okay. Yeah. That's the story, Anita. Thank you so much for sharing that. What a beautiful story. Yeah, it it really was. It's really my whole life, that, that little story there. And uh, even on the day I left the hospital, one of the girls' arms, uh, it was like I went to say goodbye to some people that were still staying longer than myself. And the one girl, I went to hug her, and she just died. It was like I, life was really much of a celebration for me then. I just looked at life as, as a gift and celebration. And that's, that's Tantra to me. Tantra's like, wait, once wait, you, get you into said the you pre- hugged her and she died? Yes. The, the very last day when my father came to pick me up when I was going home, I went to say goodbye to some of the hospital mates. Um, the patients were rheumatic fever and asthma, real bad asthma then. And a lot of them had moved to our, their doctors had them move to Arizona back then. But now it's different. Today they don't do that. But the uh-huh. one girl I remember, Julia, her name was, I went into her room to say goodbye to her and hug her, and her mom and dad were there. She was having an asthmatic attack, and she just died in my arms. Oh, my and goodness. That, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, it, so my childhood was very, I was very much an adult at nine. I mean, really a, a wise adult. I had a lot of wisdom from all of this. That's probably why I came up with the word tantra wisdom, you know, those words. Yes. I mean, it just came, it just came to me, you know, uh, one day in LA and I said, Oh, I'm going to trademark this, you know? And, um, but that, that girl who died in my arms, when I walked out of there and I looked back and I said, life is a gift and life is a celebration. And to me, tantra is a big celebration of love. You know, it's, 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 it's about celebrating the love and the opening your, your feelings, your heart, and and your everything about yourself. So this is how I I relate it to to tantra. In a way, the other child is still with you. That that is, uh, she's she's there. You you evoked her spirit somehow, and uh, she's she's become a companion of yours. That's what it feels like to me. Yes. Well, I learned to build a very strong relationship with myself because I didn't have anyone. Uh, I was alone in. So the, the the relationship that I built to myself was, you know, which I do the inner child work on people now, um, is it's your best friend and your only friend and the only person that, that you are is you and your inner child. And th- this relationship is so strong that no one can break it. And even though that I was a loner growing up and isolated because the kids couldn't accept me when I came back, I had this sort of transformation about me that they just couldn't understand. Uh, 
I just never really went into any type of uh, victimization from that. I just looked to my, to my uh, relationship to myself, and that was, like, all I needed. That was all I needed. Wow. And let, yeah, and laying in the bed when you don't have anyone and you're in a hospital where no one's talking to you because of racial conflict and, and your parents can't come to visit, what do you do? And kids are dying every day. You, you just, as a child, you become very creative and you, you uh, learn how to save yourself. You learn Amazing. how to save yourself. And for me, wow. it's... Um, uh, it was my my life and my path has chosen me. I don't know what path I would have chosen had I not had this experience, but my path has chosen me. That's what it seems. Yeah. Wow. So then yeah. you um, so you grew up in so you, so you were pretty young when that happened. You were like eight or something, and then yes, you, nine, you, nine. Uh, nine, and you stayed in Philadelphia until you. Graduated high school or something, and then you went to California. What happened? Well, uh, first, uh, after high school, I um, went to X-ray technology school. My grandmother was a nurse, so I didn't know what I really wanted to do, but I was studying massage at that time. How, how amazing. There was no massage in Philadelphia. But it, because I had those swollen joints all my life with rheumatic fever, I always needed to go to some kind of somatic therapies, which weren't really that big in the, in the 70s in Philly. So I found a, a massage therapist in a, in a chiropractor's office. And, and, I, and um, I went to school for massage at the time, and I went to school for x-ray technology because it was a job. It was a, you know, a stepping stone type of job that you can work nine to five and get a health benefits and whatnot. And um, after that, I got my bachelor's in psychology right, right from that from the x-ray training because the hospital, when you worked in a hospital at that time, they, they gave you so much benefits to go to college. And then um, from there, I moved to California when I was just about maybe close to 30, almost 30, 28-ish, 30, right around there. And, um, and I got my master's in psychology out there and all my trainings. But before I went there, I did do some trainings with people here. There were a lot of new age communities just surfacing. Um, you know, rebirthing, um, Sandra, what was her name? Sandra Bay was the, one of the first people I did rebirthing with in Philadelphia. And Tony Lamastro has a center here, but there was very small, far and in between these kind of new age, you know, communities in Philly. And you really had to like tap into them. They just didn't appear to you like, like they do in LA. So um, I, I sort of found all the new age communities that were just starting to surface back then when I was in my 20s. And I said, oh, yeah, I like this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go, go to L.A. and get my master's in sight now. And I did. I, I, I carved out the whole path, and I, and I did it exactly the way I carved it out. Wow. I picked that's myself amazing. Up. Yeah. I, I, the x-ray technology training, it was wonderful to do that because I learned about the body. I learned anatomy. I learned about medicine, how bad medicine is. Oh, <laughs> I really saw a picture there. <laughs> Sorry, any medical doctors listening, but they wanted to do heart surgery on me when I was nine, and my mother refused, and, and now I see all these people when I was an x-ray tech, how, and I did mammography, okay, so mammography got me involved in about the woman and the healing and the hormones. So I, I became, um, I went out to Texas, and they trained me in uh, ultrasound and all kinds of um, studies to, te- to do during with, with the x-ray work on, on the breast. And that's when I got more into, you know, more into carving the path for women and, and, and health and hormones and sexuality, you know, hor- your, your breast. And all these women would come in at that time. Oh, anxiety. Everybody thought they had breast cancer. It was like the newest thing. It was the first machine on the market, you know, the first mammography oh, machine. Wow. I was doing it. I was doing it. The first mammography machines on the market. I was doing that in 1976 like, or something. And, uh, uh-huh. and I saw how anxiety-ridden these women were. And then I saw how, what these doctors did when I was doing x-rays on general people and, and all this medicine. And this just totally made me go to a holistic, a holistic path of medicine because after my sickness, I was, I guess this is what I needed to get into to realize how to 
be a healthy person the rest of my life. Because once you have heart stuff, you never know what path, what, what path your health is going to take you, what, what, you know, what direction. And, um, yeah, so the, the women, I started to get involved with them and the mammographies and, 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 and really, you know, talking about their sexuality and, and how, you know, how important it was to not be so, you know, they were so, oh, the doctors will put so much fear in them just because this, this new thing was on the market. Anyway, that was that. And then I moved on from that. And I ended up going to, before I went to L.A. too, I went to Temple University. Um, I studied broadcast journalism because I was getting involved in, um, I took like about maybe a year's worth of college, stuff of that, um, and I became an award-winning medical journalist on infertility. <laughs> Amazingly, like infertility was just a story. I oh, wow. I became an award. Yeah, it was like because I had endometriosis. And I, I was... Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I was researching, you know, what can I do for endometriosis? And that's like infertile. You can, you're infertile with that. Well, a lot of women are, but some aren't. And, um, and then I won this nationwide award on uh, infertility and leukemia. And I did two stories in Temple University, the uh, broadcast journalism department, one of the best Annenberg school of broadcast journalism in the country. And I had a chance to work on the radio station there being a, a DJ. And then I went to one or two other radio stations and then when I got to L.A., I started my talk show on cable access. And L.A. was so much more accepting with those cable access shows than Philadelphia was. And, you know, they're very big in L.A. Everything's big there. And, um, and so I, I just put all this together, just what I needed to do and study and carving out my path. I got a little bit of everything. So I'm like a PR person. You know, I can, I can do great public affairs, public relations along with studying all of these different things, because having, I think sexuality, and you, you need to know about a lot of different things, because sexuality is the entire uh, bubble or the entire bowl of life, and it's not just one subject, it's many subjects. Right. The, sec- the sexuality is many subjects. Sexuality. It, with, you know, it's not just hormones and a man, a lingam and a yoni. And I mean, it, it's like a bigger, it's like a bigger picture. To me, it is anyway. Uh huh. So yeah, and, uh, Sasha, do you have any questions or feedback, and then we'll go into that. Well, uh, yeah, I, I I love your way of um, relating and your journey and sort of putting it out there in, in a way for everybody. I'm sort of the same way, a, a eclectic. Uh, I just followed whatever was interesting to me, and uh, what we ca- I cannot help but uh, synergize my information uh, and experience. And so, uh, and the, the mixture you've got, and it's full of, full of uh, vitality. And uh, I understand that you apply that to now relating uh, to individuals, relating. To, but you're also to the, relating to all of existence. You're really talking about how to be in the world. Yes, yes, how to be in the world, yes. And yeah, so, so, what, what, so, so following the title, Tantra Wisdom, what are the, the biggest wisdoms you have to share? Mm, as far as Tantra or anything. Well, well, just everything you've learned about uh, sexuality and relationship, you're starting to break it down into the elements, so we'll get back to that. I just wanted to to give Sasha a chance to ask questions or interject anything. So what are the elements that you want to break it down into? Well, I think one big wisdom is acceptance and surrender. And one thing that I find that people really don't do so well is accept themselves and accept their situations and whatever it is that is going on in their life. Acceptance is, a, is very challenging for people to, 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 to undertake that. Um, so, acceptance so how do you is get someone to that, accept it? Like, like say somebody's got that, you know, the breast cancer, that was the fear-based thing that you were working with. How do you get them to accept that? Well, the thing is, you know, there's, 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 there's a surrender, you know, you surrender to your own feelings and your heart and 
once you start to surrender and realize that, by, you know, this is still your life. You're in the moment regardless. It doesn't mean you're dead or anything if it's breast cancer. But to just come to that moment. And the moment is the transformation. That's where you get unstuck, in the moment. Because sometimes people live in the past and they live in the future. The future is always going to be death because we're all going to die. But the past is, is going to bring your pain in. So if you really, you know, harness the moment and embody that moment, this surrendering comes and you can unfold and you can experience joy and desire. And this, this is wisdom when you can do that, but it takes a lot of courage from, from the heart and the mind to get to that, you know, and, and I don't know if it takes a lot of work on someone's part. Sometimes having an illness like cancer can actually bring you into that awakening, that transformation. Because that, that right there is something, you ever hear people, they're sick and then they don't die and they had an awakening from it. Well, I think that right. once you get into, yeah, so, so this acceptance and surrender, but unstuck in the moment, that's a big wisdom for me. Learning how to transform pain. Your pain is a source of information. And to learn from the pain that it's not really pain, it's not really sickness, it's really just your love wanting to unfold even more. And when right. we your, don't have your the illness, love, that, your illness the love seems to be a cry for love. And the cry for love, you, you weren't getting it where you, uh, where it was supposed to come from, like your parents. So you got it. You learned how to pull in love from wherever you were, what was real, instead of what you were imagining it, it should look like. Right. So the love wasn't, in other words, what I did was take, took my pain in the moment and I used it as a source of information that my pain was only the stuck part of me that wanted love. And that was the armor in my body, the armor. So in my muscles, in my mind, in my, in my thinking patterns, that was, that was like not having love, not having the feminine, the feminine energy in in general, just feminine in anyone. So the, 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 you know, learning how to really um, harness love and the love for yourself. And once you surrender and you're in this moment, there is no sickness. There is no future. There is no past. It's right now. And it's hard to stay in that moment. You know, it really takes practice. But sometimes, like I said, a disease can do that to someone. It can shift them. Yes. So, so you have a, a, a student, and they're having difficulty accepting what's going on in their lives. And what would, how would you, like, say, I was your your student, and I've come to you, and it's like, oh, I've got all this, uh, whatever's going on, you know. How, what's your first step? How do you reach them? How do you approach them? Well. I mean, first of all, I do different works with them, breathing and all all kinds of things. But before that, because, you know, we all have an approach that we we use. We try our tools on these people, on on, on our clients, but not not always are they going to work. What I do with people is I just let them say, you know, go on and on and say whatever it is that they need to say. And I just look at them and I sit there and I stare at them and, and look, look at each other. They may not be looking at me directly, but I'm holding a space for them and giving them this, this, um, this, this wisdom of space where they can really know that it's okay. It's okay. I, I make people feel very safe just in my presence. And um, that, that's my first step with them, just to sit with them and, you know, a lot of people have a lot of anxiety in the beginning when they, when they, when they're having difficulty with whatever it is, and really, it's just their mind racing away. They're not. It, it's patterns. It's it's really nothing. It's just their ego, and and so I work with just holding space and being present with them, and then I go into my my different therapies that I'm trained in to help them. You know, move along. So holding space and presence would be the key in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And some people really, um, I had this one woman that came to me in L.A. Um, she, had a, she had a lot of difficulty in her life going on. And 
It was just one hour I was with her, and she thought I didn't really do anything. All I did was, like, listen to her talk, and then she thought that I was a gem. I did all this wonderful stuff for her, and she couldn't believe she met me. It was like, so it's a certain presence. And even a man, I had a man come to me once who was on um, chemicals. Uh, He was, uh, he used, uh, I don't know, I think he used heroin. And mm-hmm. he desperately wanted to wanted to get off heroin. He wasn't like some street street drug addict. Not that you have to be. I mean, he had a really good job. And 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 I said a few things to him. All I said was, is that you know, life is really precious. And it was like that one line that I said to him that made him get off. And he came to me several times after, and he gave me a great testimony. And, and, and even years later, he had called me and said, I'm never on drugs again, just from that one line that you said. So sometimes, you know, maybe my experience as a child gave me this certain kind of image, this certain kind of, you know, power, if you will. I don't want to use that word power, but, I mean, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, some kind of innateness that, can, that reaches their soul. Wow. And and uh, yeah, and that's that's what it is. I I can I can heal people. I can heal people by just being in, and saying a line to them and just being in their presence because that's what my life was about when I was nine. I mean, I had to really do it alone, do it mm-hmm. alone. And see, this this is a thing with people too that are having challenges. They they just don't know how to be by themselves. They don't know how to accept themselves. They don't know how to do life alone. Even though you're doing it with people, you're still doing it alone. <laughs> yeah, it feels so. Well, like all people who need people. Right, that song. But, you know, my friends, like, if I'll get on a plane and go somewhere. They'll go, you're going alone? I go, no, when I get there, there's going to be a ton of people in that country where I'm going. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's going to be a big social network when I get there. <laughs> You, you know, it's just That's more great. of that. <laughs> yeah, it's more of when I was growing up real young, I would just take trips alone. And, you know, the kids in high school, you're going to go by yourself? I don't know when I get there, there'll be people. <laughs> so, That's was, great. Even when, I, even when I moved to LA, I moved alone. I go, well, I'm sure there'll be people when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's just great. the way I look at life, you, you know, and I really simplify things that way because I, right. I, it's like life is so heavy. Life was so heavy growing up and it's still heavy today with all these different things and, and the race we're in, you know, the revolution and everything and, and all these, you know, internet stuff. But uh, I want to keep it simple. I want to just keep it simple. I want to keep the water flowing down my back. Just keep rolling down my back. <laughs> That's great. great. Sasha, your turn. Say something. Something. What? No, it, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I uh, like. Uh, it said, you know, one of my teachers is Carl Rogers, and he said, if you just if you just listen to people every once in a while, say what you hear them saying, and you share your feelings now and then, uh, they'll just figure it out themselves, and just keep reflecting it back, and. Uh, uh, with all these studies, people then use the Gestalt method uh, uh, of uh, role play, this and that. And so when you looked at all these things and subtracted all the different methodologies, what you're left with is attention and caring about what you say as you sort it out. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> we, we talk about it. That's part of the process. Right. Well, it, it is. It's sort of like, you know, category, categorizing your thinking. You know, I, I do that. I'll categorize everything in the way I think. And everything has a category. And then it's like I'll bounce or shift in and out of each category and grab something from this. It's like tricking your brain in a way to sort of not let your ego take it over and not let those, those patterns and those voices creep up. And and those are the things that bury the love. I found over the years, of course, I've done a lot of work on myself to to heal those patterns and the things that buried my love, you know, from myself and others and from judging. So once you have more love, you don't judge as much because, you know, what's the sense? I mean, you just got love. You only judge when you don't have love. Just hate. When, when you judge, you hate, you know? <laughs> so really, it gets right. back to your senses. <laughs> It goes back to the senses, and 
to me, Tantra is like just a big, it's just a, a big, you know, small word for a whole lot of love. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, you know, working with your own, you know, your own foundation and, and um, just the root. It's really all in the root of your, the root chakra and moving up from all these different chakras that, that kind of guide you, that can guide you into different, different parts of yourself and attract mm-hmm. you as well, kind of radiate you to different, um, you know, where, wherever it is that you're supposed to be. So one of the things that happens in Tatra, and I had this happen to me earlier in the day, um, you know, there was a, a Tantra article on the Facebook, and they they immediately jumped to sex. Can you explain to our listeners mm. what Tantra is and how it's not just sex, but sex is part of it? Well, well, as we know that Tantra is a yoga, right? It was uh, Vatayana was the man who invented it or brought it out in India way, way back in the day. And, and he wanted to enlighten people about the senses. So he was teaching people in, in his uh, classrooms about, you know, opening the senses and flirtation and how to keep yourself fluid and open to love. And really, of course, you know, then one thing leads to another. But uh, to me, Tantra is not sex at all, at all. It's it's really uh, like I said. It's a wisdom. It's a wisdom of deep, deep philosophy, and it it really it really um, it it goes the deep. The philosophy is so deep that that it has to tap into your sexual energy. But the sexual energy, of course, is the energy of the whole body. So if you separate these energies, then you're only only going to think of tantra as sex. But if you if you put these energies together, if you superimpose them and put them together, then you're not going to think of tantra as sex. You're going to think of it as the whole being, the whole being of who you are. So tantra, once you learn how to use the tools of tantra that can help you to become a better person and learn to communicate better, of course, naturally, you're going to seek out better relationships or attract better relationships, more healthy, balanced relationships. And then, of course, naturally, you will have better sex. You will have better lovemaking. You will be more present for your lover because it really begins outside the bedroom. So so a lot of people that have challenges in, in the bedroom haven't really learned how to communicate outside the bedroom. And they haven't really Great. learned... How, how to respect each other and all of these tools are what we teach in Tantra and how to touch with meaning and compassion and g- give your partner that attention, intention, uh, instead of just, you know, taking each other for granted. So Tantra is not sex at all. It's just tools that, that help you in your regular everyday journey of life to become a better person and then, of course, naturally, you're you're always looking to have the best best relationship that you can and the best sex. So you have to work on yourself before you can get there. Were you ever, that's, ever that's, able? Yeah. Were Were you ever able to come full circle and work with your parents or your siblings to better your communication with them and with each other? Um. Well. My uh, parent, yeah, my parents divorced, and my mother, I, I, I could open to her in communication because she, she was an artist, and she had, um, you know, and that open creative side to her, and uh, with her I could. But my father was very um, complete opposite. He was very, you know, very. Um, he wasn't emo- he didn't have much emotion going, so he was kind of cold and I guess in that time he they didn't the men didn't really or at least my father didn't learn how to express himself and uh, my siblings um the, the the best sibling I have is my schizophrenic brother because he is so intelligent and so creative and so express has so much expression and love the other ones they they're normal and the schizophrenic is the one that i I feel like is really evolved. <laughs> you know, more so than the others. 
and much more creative and much more of a, a men's brain, you know. And uh, right. but my other two, forget it. The other two are just totally in denial about everything, and they're not open. Their heart chakras aren't open, and no, I cannot communicate with them well. I mean, I do, uh, but I try to teach them, but it's not like. You know, I have to understand. It's hard when you're a really evolved, transformed person to, especially in the East Coast here, like Philly, we'll say, you know, uh-huh. after living in L.A. 20 years, it's just difficult to um, kind of that consciousness, you know, your consciousness is higher and it's difficult. It's hard for people to understand that. Unlike L.A., everybody is sort of like it's all over the place, you know, and that's okay because you have to bring consciousness up if you, if, if it's not there, you know. You got to teach people. Well, I'm a teacher, you know, and I have to be no, teaching. Uh-huh. That's my that's my role in life, you know. I guess <laughs> to teach. <laughs> yeah. And then I go. I'm so going, um, I'm going, I'm t- are are your parents still? On, yeah. Are your parents still on this side, or have they crossed over? No, they've both crossed over. Yeah. Yep, both both crossed over in the since I've been back uh-huh. here. That's why I came back. That's why I came back because they they both uh, were very sick. So uh, yeah, so that that that's they're they're over and uh, but um, and my younger brother had passed. Uh, he he just kind of was now. Here's a, here's a love story for you. He lived with a girl uh-huh. that and and helped raise her children. He he didn't have any of his own. And he was only 54, and he would call me up all the time and say, I'm not sure if she loves me. But I got through to him as far as tantrically, believe it or not. Uh And I would coach him how to love her and what to do. And he goes, I don't know if she loves me. She said this. She did that. She wrote me a letter. And he would, he actually started opening to me. Like, he was the younger, younger one. And he, Uh um... I was teaching him different paths, but his heart, I'm going to say that he just fell off a chair and died from high blood pressure um, a couple of years ago. And, you know, I think it was because he couldn't get the love he really wanted from this girl that he was with all these years for like 15 years. It just, you know, it just wasn't, she didn't know, know how to really love him or honor him or it just was a confusing relationship for them. It was an up and down thing, but he started to ask me all kinds of questions sexually. And, uh, and I started to, to teach him, you know, what to do, how to uh-huh. do and tantrically and this, that. So I did get through to him at the end and then he, he left the planet. So, uh, and, uh, well, and I took she got through to him. Yeah, well, he had come to California a few times, and uh, so he wanted his ashes in the Joshua Tree. So that's where I took them, <laughs> to Joshua Tree, you know, out in uh, the desert, because he uh, he said he wanted to be there. That's where he wanted to go uh, after he left Philly. He was going to move up there, but he never uh-huh. got to go, so I took, his, I took the ashes up there, yeah. So, oh, that's nice that, that, that you was, got to do that for him. Yeah, yeah, because this way he, he got to be where he wanted to be, but he never really, he kept saying, I got to come, I got to get back there, I got I got to want to move there, I got to get back there, but he never got back there, and then he died, you know, uh, so, uh-huh. so all of these things, again, living in that moment, and always waiting for the future, or the past, the past kind of gets in your way, and the future kind of, oh, I can't do this, because I have to have save, or do this for the future, but really, it's just that moment, I don't mean to be spontaneous in life, because Spontaneity is good, but that's not really the moment. Sometimes spontaneity could could be good or bad. It could get you in trouble or it could work for you. But uh, you have to have that foundation and understand understand your own intuition, your own perception. And if you're strong in that foundation, your spontaneity and your moments will just be right on target. And uh, so it's trusting yourself, really. It's trusting. Right. And that's what love is, yeah. It's just trusting the universe, you know. And um, well, that's a big one for people to trust the universe to believe that on some level your your higher self, your subconscious or superconscious knows exactly what you need. And yet the the ego one that's down in in life and you know doesn't see the whole picture tends to get freaked out and 
lack consciousness and fear and all kinds of stuff. So they're in they're in the lower chakra and that kind of kind of in the lower chakra. Really, uh, yeah, they haven't like surfaced with that, and they need work in that area uh, to help you know to help them to. Uh, to, to evolve a little bit, to kind of come come to or make a shift. You know, sometimes if something happens in their life, any experience can really um, also help them. And, and it could be a good thing, even if it was a bad thing. <laughs> like my heart right. hospital experience. <laughs> it was a bad thing for the heart, but it was a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, right. like, it was a all. Yeah, you just take the good with the bad, no matter what. Like this movie, I Tanya, I just saw. It's out now. Remember the skater, I Tanya. Uh, I Tanya. Okay. It's really uh-huh. an empowering. The, the, the mother and the girl who plays Tanya are both up for awards. They've already received awards. The acting is wonderful, but you know, it's an empowering movie to learn about the good. Take the good with the bad, because the mother was so. Uh, abusive to Tanya, beat her up, you know, alcoholic kind of thing. And this girl, you know, made her way to skate and the mother put her on the skates and the mother is the one who gave her the gift to be the skater. And, but yet at the same time, the mother whacked her around, beat her up, you know, threw her out. So it's kind of like, you know, and she complains to the mother, but you know, when you look at it, the mother gave you the gift. She, the mother can't give you everything. Your, your parents, your mother and father cannot give you everything. If they give you one thing, accept it and be happy and don't complain that they abused you because whatever it is that they gave you is your is your um is what you're going to learn from, whether it was something good or something bad. And and, and wow, whatever you know, her mother Yeah, well her mother gave her the skating, but her mother abused her. So if you see the movie you're gonna be, Oh my god, what a mother, how could she live with her? She whacked her around. But uh-huh. Mother is the one who put her on the skates and paid for her lessons to become an Olympic star. I mean, so you're never going to get this, the other the girl, Nancy Kerrigan, the other skater. Now, she had the smooth life, the happy parents, the Olympics, you know. So, you know, you're not always going to be. And this is what I, 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 I always try to teach people is that, you know, look at all the good things. Weigh it out. Everybody has something good. Even if you didn't like your parents, even if you didn't like your husband or wife, there's something you know, weigh it out. What are the good things? Because you're not, it's really hard to get all, all or nothing, you know, in life. And I mean, I, I always say that good with bad, you know, my life I feel was that whole experience was, was bad, but it was good. You know, my whole experience living <laughs> and maybe that, you know, that my parents whack each other around so much that, that, that was a good thing for me to go get transformed, you know? <laughs> right. So that's, yeah. That's, that's the that's the gift my mother gave me. That's it. That's what she gave me. And uh, I mean, I learned from it. And that's people say to celebrate your life after they die. Well, that's what my mother gave me. But most people, they want to not most, but some, they want to go into the victim mind and be a victim, and and they just don't understand life. And and, and it's really, it's not. It's you know, you never know what you're going to get, as far as Gump says. You know, so right. that's it. I mean, uh, and um, it's true. I mean, I watch, you know, all these movies because I'm in the Screen Actors Guild, and I have to, they send us a lot of movies all the time, and I'm always, like, oh. finding, the, finding the meaning in the movie. Well, I do some acting as well. You know, I'm also an actress part-time. Uh-huh. I do, um, I was in a movie uh, two years ago called Voiceless. It was about, um, it was the perfect movie for me to be in because it was about the abortion movement. Um, oh. It was filmed here. Yeah, it was filmed here in Philadelphia, New York. And for some reason, you know, my mother she tried to abort me when uh, when I was a baby. When I was in her uh-huh. womb, actually, because she thought I wasn't my father's kid, and my father said abort it. So it was like oh one of those wow. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> that 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 part of my story I didn't tell you. But uh, right. so so when the movie when this movie. Uh, asked me to be in it, and it was about abortion. And they gave you a couple of different scenarios about. I played a mother in a in a um, with a little boy in a in a soup kitchen. They gave me five five lines, which is great for a movie. And um, but I said, oh my god, I can relate to this. I, I was one of my I was uh, my mother almost wanted to abort me, and she couldn't do it because it was too late. You know, I guess you can do it in the first oh. few months. 
And back uh-huh. in the fifties, I was born. I was born in the fifties. It wasn't legal then, so you sort of had to do it right. in the alley. Uh huh. And she had compli- She had complications with getting that together. So here I am, right? <laughs> right. But, uh, uh-huh. There you are. But the thing was, when the movie, when this particular movie two years ago, and I said, "Oh my God, I, I need to be in this movie. It's about abortion." And they were showing you how women went to pro-abortion, pro and pro and cons about abortion, and they how they go to the clinic and the clinic didn't care, and this guy becomes a missionary to try to help these girls. And this is what the movie was about. So. It really related to me personally and uh-huh. uh, yeah and that was and I was glad to be a part of it and I and I gave the director my book I said you know I have a section in here about about abortion about my mother aborting me <laughs> you might want to uh-huh. read it it'll help you with the movie you know and uh so anyway uh that that whole thing you know is uh, again wow. that's the gift my mother even though my mother you know, I always was growing up and, and I never felt she was gave me the proper life. You know, there was a lot of abusive projection and I never had, you know, I never got what I wanted. My mother gave me life because she didn't abort me. Yeah. And that was the gift. That was the gift I got. Like when you see Tanya, the mother whacked her around. The mother was a stoned alcoholic. And yet the mother put her on the skates and paid for her lessons. You understand? <laughs> Yeah. So it's like this is what people this is what people don't get, and that's why if you really tap into your higher powers, and tantra is one way to get there, you can really have fantastic love with someone. Just love, you know, not necessarily sex. Sex is a whole other thing, but just have that fantastic love of yourself and of someone else or other people. Because um, this is not the wisdom is acceptance. Well, we're running so, out of time, so that went fast. Uh, go ahead, Sasha. You have something to say? We have a little bit of time. Even a, a step further uh, than, than just, well, whatever you're uh, challenged by uh, gives you direction. You could say more than that, that you orchestrated, imagine, as we do in existential philosophy, that created whatever you're uh, confronted with for your own growth and uh, expansion of your consciousness. That gives you the power over the entire thing. You, you, you chose your parents, not just you reacted to them as best you could. You set it up. And if you, uh, somehow just thinking that, giving that little mental thing gives even more power uh, for you to construct what you do wish. So essentially, so, uh, we, 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 go ahead. We, we, actually, we actually choose our parents, you're saying. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I do. I agree there. I definitely agree with that. But what were you going to say, Janet? Uh, I was going to say, Anita, what, or your website and how people can reach you to schedule a session or something or just talk to you and your book. Real sure. quick here. Yeah, um, tantrawisdom.com, and everything is there. Um, my book is Live Free. Uh, they can, you know, email me and, and get a book if they want. But Live Free, Your Journey to a Liberated Life. That's that's how I have it on Amazon. Live Free, Your Journey to a Liberated Life. But if they want the book, they can contact me. But anyway, the, the classes I'm doing right now are, are specifically in, in just Philadelphia right now. And uh, I do Skype sessions and, and um, private sessions. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Fascinating story. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, Facebook, my uh, group, Tantra Wisdom, and my business page, Tantra Wisdom. I have a really good uh, uh, Facebook group page with 11,000 members. Um, So if they want to peruse that that, uh, group, they can, or join, they can get a lot of information about Tantra teachers around the planet. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to connect with you both in Hawaii. Nice there. to connect with you, too. <laughs> We're running yes. out of time. It's going to stop recording any second now. So thank you so much. Okay. Love and blessings. Thank you. And aloha. Uh, okay. Good night. Good night.